Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and you are listening to the House of Indie Podcast. And I have a special guest on the line. His name is Jason McNamara. How's it going? Good, Joey. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. I like how like I was like super loud and enthusiastic, and then you come in here super calm and collective. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like smooth jazz, man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, man, tell me a little bit about yourself. You you are a comic book creator, uh, a handful of really cool uh, uh, books that I've I've known, and your name has been tossed around a handful of different times from p- different people telling me you got to get him on, you got to get him on. So finally, you're on here, and the book that they actually talked to me about was Nocturnal Commission, and I looked through it, and man, dude, this has got to be one of my favorite books right now. Oh, nice, thanks, man. Uh, so Nocturnal Commissions, well, you asked me about me first. And that's my favorite subject, so I'll talk about that for like a long time. Uh, I'm a freelance writer and creative. I also teach uh, comic book script writing at Pacific Northwest College of Art, PNCA here in town. And I've been an indie writer since 2003, which sounds really brutal to say out loud. That's that's a while, man. My first self, yeah, I went to the Alternative Press Expo in 2003 with my first self-published book called Less Than Hero. Wow. Some years I I don't do anything. Some years I have a couple of books. And, very quietly in between i've quit comics walked away and then been dragged back like the mafia because it's it's how i tell stories and it's how i see the world mm-hmm. so you know you have these big uh, events in your life right joey yeah like, uh, your kids your marriage maybe a car accident i always take those things in my head i always see mm-hmm. them in a panel layout i always think oh. like how would john ramita jr draw my motorcycle accident how would john ramita jr draw my <laughs> wedding day uh, so it's just a language that's ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. I learned how to read with comic books when I was a kid. That's awesome. My man. father was, yeah, I had a young irresponsible dad <laughs> and he, <laughs> he, he would, uh, he was a fisherman mm-hmm. and when it came to be high tide, you don't fish at high tide. It's mm-hmm. too much work. So we would go into town and dock at town and we would go to the butcher shop and they had like a spinner rack. So we would get chicken oh, cutlet nice. sandwiches and he would get his Conan magazine with those Joe Jusco covers. Oh, yeah. Old like school. A, yeah, like a scantily clad woman yeah. being eaten by a plant <laughs> monster or something. And then I would get Spider-Man and Batman, and uh, he would teach me how to read. So I knew how to say, like, thwip. All, I knew all the Spider-Man sound effects <laughs> before uh, Spot met the dog and all that shit. Yeah. So it's just been in my life. And um, you know, anytime I try and get away from it or become a civilian... Uh, it never works out. I just, I've never been fit for a normal life. 
<laughs> I'm I'm the same way, man. My my uh my wife always tells me she's like you you got these kids like brainwashed because my my uh my two year old he started talking within the last year and he's he the first few things that he've said is Spider Man and and Batman and all this stuff and and because and he loves coming into my podcast room with all the comic books and all the stuff and that was one of the first words he he, he can say he's like he's like comic book. And my wife's like, she's like, I can't get away from yeah. it. I can't get away it, from it with you guys. You have doomed that kid. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you need I to think... put a copy of the Odyssey in his hand or Moby Dick. Or it'll be, while there's still time. It'll be a comic book version of those things. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, dude, I love it. This is, this is what I live for. I'm the same way, man. I've, I've, and, and it's so weird that you say that you, you walk into like a, like a bait shop and there's some comic books. You always find, the comic books in the weirdest oddest of places sometimes yeah i found my first book in a freaking ice cream shop you know they had these like magazine racks and stuff like that yeah and that's the first place that i was exposed to a comic book at a young age so super weird to have have them in a in a bait shop though that's Really? It, was a, it was a butcher shop. Oh, butcher shop. Sorry. I don't know why. Yeah, you said like, fishing. Like sawdust on the floor. Well, I mentioned my dad was a fisherman. He was a yeah. clam digger. You don't need bait for clams. They pretty much hop in the basket. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, they're really suicidal, those clams. They don't want to live down there. <laughs> That's really interesting, though, man. And, and you you went with your dad on those those, those trips? Yeah, it wasn't far. I mean, we How lived was on that? the water. That's that seems it was like great. a really cool thing. It, it gave me it gave me a work ethic, you know. You yeah. get up at 4:35 in the morning every day. I and now I stay up till 4.35 in the morning every night. But you get up <laughs> early and you go to work. And whether it's summertime, the weather's nice, you go to work. When it's the wintertime yeah. and it's halfway frozen over, uh-huh. you still go to work. You just dig chowders in the winter. That's the only difference. Wow. Um, but, like, you have to keep earning a living. Wow. No matter what. You get up and you go. People are counting on you. And that's hard work, man. Hard, hard it's, work. Yeah, but it also suited him. He was not a people person. <laughs> you know, he wanted to be his own boss. And I like being my own boss. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit more charismatic than my dad. And that's not not much of a compliment. <laughs> you know, if you got too close to his boat, he would throw a chowder at you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Something I've yet to do in life is throw a chowder at somebody. Uh, you gotta, you, you gotta try. It. There, there, that's one thing you gotta try in your life, right? You gotta throw chowder at people. <laughs> I think I'm gonna throw a copy of Nocturnal Commissions at them. There you go. Hey, read my book. <laughs> yeah, I'll tie it to a chowder, give it some weight, just really chuck it at somebody. <laughs> yeah, make sure that it is, uh, it's a reader copy and not one of those really awesome mint con- condition books. Because uh, if you're just gonna throw it away, man, I'm right here. You can just not one of the variants. No. <laughs> and so, uh, talk to us a little bit about nocturnal commissions since we've been talking about it a little bit. Give us the log line, uh, and okay. then uh, give give everybody the the, the theatrical log line. Nocturnal Commissions is about a vampire, a werewolf, and a zombie that form a detective agency. And then things get weird. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> that was freaking perfect. Four dollars disappear from your wallet. <laughs> that is awesome. I think I need it's to put big, some some music behind that as you say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a collaboration between me and Greg Hinkle. Greg Kinkle and I, and he not only did he illustrate it, uh, he colored it and he lettered it. Wow. It is really his baby. I, in fact, I wow. have some nerve even talking about the book because really, I feel like it's his <laughs> book. I just wrote a script and got out of his way. Wow, That's yeah, really how that worked. And he had a really strong vision for how it should look. Uh, we had Paul Little help us with color flats, which really sped up our mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun monster romp. 
And earlier we were talking about sort of the schism uh, that we are seeing in the world. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to do, you never change the world by telling people how to feel. You don't go yeah. on like Twitter and call someone a numbnuts and they say, oh, I've got it all wrong because someone called me a numbnuts. Thanks for illuminating me. <laughs> right. Uh, but if you can put your feelings about the world uh, into a comic book, mm-hmm. into a narrative, that's how you can get someone to look at things through a different lens or perspective. Right. Uh, we change the world through narrative and story. So not that every book needs to be a message book, but every book should have a reason to exist. I don't write comics because I just hate trees, mm-hmm. you know? So Nocturnal Commissions is about a werewolf, a zombie, and um, a vampire. And each of the three are outcasts of their own community. So they're outcasts among outcasts. And if the three of them can work together mm-hmm. to make a couple of bucks, uh, hopefully that would inspire the rest of us to be a little bit better at problem solving in our own personal lives. Yeah, I like that. I like that. But you're not going to get that when you read the book. It's sort of a very little <laughs> message, right? No one's going to put that book down and go, wow, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hug a life. lefty liberal. <laughs> that, that changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the color work and those, it's in the stuff. Uh, dude, I, when I was reading through this, that is one of the first things that I fell in love with this book about with the colors and the artwork. And I was like, wow, this is, this is a really unique book. Number one, because you got three different characters that would, you would never see together, uh, you know, let alone work together. And then you get the dialogue and everything else with it. And it freaking blew me away. And uh, a couple of the guys, actually Kevin Cuff, uh, he actually uh, told he said you got to get this guy on. He's awesome. Read Nocturnal Commission. You'll freaking love it. And I did. It's 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 really what does awesome. Kevin know? He doesn't you know, know anything. Yeah. What does he know? <laughs> <laughs> he's I don't know. He's just uh, semi successful, right? No, just, we're all semi successful. <laughs> we're um, all. <laughs> no, he's he's a good guy. He's a sweet guy. He's been awesome to me. Um, yeah. So the color work, you know, Greg has had other people color his stuff. And I think at a certain point for an illustrator, it becomes torture when you have a certain idea what you think the art is going to look like in your head when it's colored. Mm-hmm. And he's worked with some great colorists and they've all done, you know, different, uh, they've all done great work with his, his art, but he really in his mind had a way that this was supposed to look. And part of the reason is that we did this ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is just, just Greg and I with Paul helping out. There was no publisher. There was no editor. Um, we had, I let Greg, do the book that he wanted to do and we took the time to get it right i wanted him mm-hmm. to be really really satisfied and have a book that he could look at and say there isn't a single compromise in this book yeah uh, and i want to feel the same way i want to be have that book be proud of it for a decade yeah and i want to be able to hand that to people and be like look at one point there was nothing and then greg and i put our brains together and made this and we did it without a publisher we had yeah. we didn't have to ask anyone's permission to do this book and i i in my humble opinion, um, I think this is as good or better than any book that's published by any publisher, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, you could you imagine anyone's logo on here, you would not be surprised. This is not like a Kickstarter like <clears throat> newbie book. Yeah. This is a fully professionally made book by two people that really, really care about comics. Um, and that's what I love about Kickstarter is that I don't have to ask permission. Or I don't have to explain mm-hmm. the concept to yeah. anybody. We can do something that we're super passionate about. And if we think mm-hmm. it's good, hopefully that'll, uh, it'll appeal to other people as well. Yeah. And and that's absolutely correct. I, when, uh, when uh, your name is getting tossed around to different creators that I should have on, 
I started looking your stuff up, and I and I did, and did exactly what you said. I started looking for a logo. I'll be like, oh well, what's where, where's this book? Where's this book released from? What's all this from? And then uh, Kevin comes like he's he's doing a lot of stuff on his own, man. So this is freaking really cool. He he releases it all on his own, self publishes and all that good stuff. And uh, it blew me a freaking way. This is one of the books that like I, I'm telling. You, this is one of my favorite books right now, especially in, in, due to the 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 dialogue, the colors. But one thing in particular that in this book uh, here that really really made me like say wow. This is freaking awesome. Is the the there's a a panel there where you got Frankenstein and the colors there. I was just like, whoa, dude, this is this is freaking cool. And I I, I every time that I open this book up, I always go back to that one panel and yeah. how freaking cool the colors are and the way you can definitely tell that you guys put some freaking love into this, dude, because it's it's fantastic. I mean, this money comes and goes. Money is not the metric of success in comic books. Are you making a piece of art yeah. that you're super, super happy with? Yes, we took our time and we, like, look, I'm going to tell you, I'm not especially bright. I'm not a <laughs> gifted human being, but I can self publish. And anyone can self publish. If you have a yeah. book that you're super passionate about, I'm here to tell you, like, you can do it yourself. And the big two are when I was starting out in 2003. When I was at Fresh Face Drunk at the Alternative Press Expo in 2003, <laughs> the goal was, I'm going to write Spider-Man one day. Wouldn't that be great? And I'm, at some point, that goal just went away. It just wasn't important to me mm-hmm. anymore. Once I had agency and my career was moving mm-hmm. and I found my voice, which I think was the hardest part, once you find that voice, you're like, you know what? I just want to tell my stories and I want to mm-hmm. do it on my own time and on my own schedule and have and work with people that I think have a voice of their own. Greg Hinkle's art looks like nobody else's art. No yeah. one else tells a story like Greg Hinkle. I'm yeah. super fortunate. And that's our second book. We did a graphic novel a few years ago called the Rattler. Yeah. That we self-published and did through Kickstarter. And then it was picked up again by image and they re-released it. Mm-hmm. And he, the thing I love about working with Greg Hinkle is that he really dials in facial grammar mm-hmm. and environment. He, you can look at that book without my dumb, dumb words and you can follow it and you can understand all the conflicts, all the interpersonal conflicts based on their, their body posture. The vampire mm-hmm. is really pious. Yeah. He's always standing upright. He's always very um, well put together. Uh, the, the werewolf's always sort of slouching. He's sort of, it tells you everything you know, need to know about their characters without words, which I think is effective visual storytelling. Yeah. Too often I'll open a comic book and I'll just see it's, <clears throat> smothered in words and that tells me that mm-hmm. the writer and artist aren't working in concert uh, there is an ebb and a flow to a comic book and for me the atmosphere the experience of reading a comic book is the most important thing so when you open yeah. it up i love that you open it up and you get something by looking at it and yeah. not experiencing it from beginning to end as a narrative which it works mm-hmm. but you get a feeling and that's the hardest thing to do in a comic book is to open it up and get a vibe yeah. and get a feeling that's and that's absolutely yeah. correct that's absolutely correct. And that's one of the first things that I do. Like before I read a book, I grab it off the shelf and I and I look through it. And the artwork is always the first thing you see when you grab the book off the shelf. You look at it, look at the yeah. cover, and you see what it, and that's kind of you know, everybody's like, "Oh, don't judge a book by its cover." But that's what we, you know, as collectors do. We look at the cover, we're like, "Oh, wow. Oh, we have to, yeah. I love this. This is this is cool. What's this book about?" And then you start opening it and you start reading a little bit. Um, I try not to read 
as I'm like just shuffling through it, I'll, I'll look through it a couple of different times and I'll be like, wow, this artwork is really freaking cool. Like the, the way that, the, like you said, the expressions, the, the, you can just tell who they are by looking at the character. And that is absolutely hard to do on a still image. You know, it's not yeah. a movie. It's not a t- on a TV show where it's super easy to kind of convey that uh, with facial expressions and things like that. It's super hard to do with artwork. Yeah. And when you can get an artist who can do- convey that kind of the the personality of the character on a still image. Wow. You, you like that's awesome. So when I work with my students, I have them write their scripts without dialogue first. And I have them really dial it like more important than a camera angle mm-hmm. or any of these other things is what is the emotional state of those characters in that moment? Yeah. Don't assume that your artist just gets the story because an artist doesn't mm-hmm. experience the story the same way a reader does from yeah. beginning to end. They work on it panel by panel. So yeah. what is the emotional content of each panel? And you want the artist. It's like a game of telephone. You're telling the artist a story that you want them to tell mm-hmm. it to the world. So yeah. you give them the emotional stuff first. Right. And then I do the dialogue later. That's so, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I can't. That's that's like that's that's really inspiring because uh, I'm sitting here kind of like held back a little bit because uh, that's absolutely true. Like I'm thinking, you know, if I was a student, how hard would that be for me to be able to do that, not knowing what to do first? And and well, dialogue is often our entryway. Like we have a mm-hmm. cool thing that pops in our head because we talk to ourselves. I don't know about you, but I talk yeah, to myself no. all the time as yeah. a writer. Like you're. Yeah having these conversations so you want to it's easy to get pulled down the dialogue rabbit hole mm-hmm. and you know we love brian michael bendis we love quentin tarantino <laughs> you know we, we, we get pulled into art that has really cool dialogue but dialogue is not in comic books the true purpose of dialogue is character and exposition right we're going to mm-hmm. do x y and z don't forget we need this this that and this is who i am and mm-hmm. the, all the visual the visuals should convey the conflicts of the story yeah. without dialogue. So if you can accomplish, if you can dial in all the conflicts visually, then you can have fun with the dialogue or even better, take the dialogue out and let the comic book breathe on its own. So that. when I look at Greg's work, um, and I had this especially on the Rattler, I can almost hear a soundtrack. Okay. When I look at his environments, when I look at what he's doing, he's, so, like, he's really holding a note and giving you a feeling. And that is so, yeah. so hard to do. Yeah. But the benefit to me is that I could take, I can use less words in the page and just let him tell that story visually and mm-hmm. come in every now and then. And it creates a cadence and creates a rhythm. Yeah. So, you know, we all experience a three minute song in three minutes. Uh-huh. But how long does it take you to read a comic book? Right. Like, are the visuals grabbing you? Is it just three people standing around mm-hmm. or are they doing different things? Is it a high angle looking down? What is their relationship yeah. to one another? How can we hold that moment, hold that note, and hold you in this story world that we work so hard to create? Mm-hmm. Once we get you in there, we don't want to let you go. Yeah. So how yeah. do you do that? And it's not by adding more words. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's I'm great probably the rare writer who would tell you less words on the page, please. <laughs> and But you know what? It, it, it makes sense because when I was reading Nocturnal Commission, I haven't finished it. But it's not because I'm like a lazy reader or whatever. It's because of what you just said. Uh, you, it's it's taking me in, and it's one of those books where I didn't want to just fly through it. And I and there are some books where you can just read through it really quick, and then you kind of okay, cool, I got that book. This is one of those books where I want to let it seep in. I want it to Thank to you. I want it to steep 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's because it's it's so good. Uh, and, 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 and it's, I'm serious, man. Like I didn't want to just fly through it. I wanted to get enough of it in to kind of talk to you a little bit about it, but I was like, Oh, uh, this is going to be one of those books that I'm going to read for fun and not just, you know, it's not going to be homework. So, so I, I intend to go back. I'm going to go back like tonight and read it all the way over again. And then possibly it's going to be, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be one of those books I read over and over again. And it's really rare that I do that. Um, oh, but no, you, but dude, I'm not even. I don't want it to even, feel like the SATs for sure. And, and that's the, but that's true though. Like, yeah, there's some you have use. those books that you're just like, okay, I got it. You know, uh, I, I, I feel like most superhero books are like that. Like, I was you read say, them and you're like, I get it. Uh, you punched this guy in the face and you went here and you did this thing. Yeah, and yeah. See you next week. <laughs> there was a there was a Thor book that I read recently, and that's exactly what it was. I was like, oh, okay, I got it. Thor, oh, the, Thor, this yeah. and that and whatever. I don't want to t- say exactly what book it is because I don't want to put any creators down. Uh, oh, I know but, what you're talking about. But yeah, he's I, a good he's a good writer. But yeah, yeah. that there is they're they're fleet. They go by mm-hmm. easy. Yep, yep. All right, yeah. we we went 20 minutes. Let's go ahead and stop right here really quick and take a quick break before we move on because I want to talk a little bit about Rattler because I thought I, I I noticed this. Rattler doesn't have any colors. There's a handful of just a s- small amount of colors. I want to know. It, if why that it, I I'm not, I'm pretty, very sure that it was intentional. I want to know why it was intentional and and what, how detrimental to the story that that was. So when we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit about that. All right, we are back. And before we went to a break, I talked to you a little bit about Rattler, and I noticed in this book that there's not a lot of color. There's only here color a tint of color here and there, and I asked. Is that intentional and was it detrimental to the to the story? Was that why was that on purpose? Well, it was it was done intentionally. I mean, it wasn't a printing accident. <laughs> uh, it's, it's what you're talking about is in the Rattler. It's Greg uh, did black and white line work, and then he added grayscale, mm-hmm. similar to like The Walking Dead. Yeah. And Greg had this idea. Well, first off, I wanted to do it in black and white because it's a horror book. Yeah. And creating that suspense in comic books is hard. So again, we didn't do it as comic books. We did it as a graphic novel because mm-hmm. once you, you couldn't read issue three of the Rattler in between like Spider-Man and Superman. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not the right flavor. So if you're going to create suspense and tension, you want to hold someone in that world for as long as you can. So we kept the story as a graphic novel and we did it in black and white because we wanted you to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. So a lot of the camera angles or a lot of the perspectives that uh, Greg chose in that book are places the human eye is not normally situated, like through a keyhole, through the back of a closet, Mm -hmm. uh, extreme low angles looking up, uh, some slight tilts every now and then. And we did that. So you were never quite comfortable. You were sort of unease and you were feeling um, you were feeling what the main character was feeling. Greg is also really good at environments. So when our character is walking through an environment, you understand the main character, Stephen Thorne's reaction to that environment. But it's for the color choices. And this was the idea. And initially it sounded like some art school bit to me. <laughs> I was like, that sounds dumb, dude. Uh, but then he showed me some pages and I was like, you know what? Totally wrong. This works. And was, we only used red for blood. Mm-hmm. And what Greg realized when he read the script was that the, es- the escalation of the story is also, it gets more violent towards the end. Mm-hmm. So the red seep out for the we use red for blood in the same way that Frank Miller used yellow in that yellow bastard. 
yeah. uh, one of the Sin City yeah. series from the 90s. So the red peaks out every now and then. And then by the end, it is drenched. There is red everywhere, uh, the red tones. And I thought it worked really, really well. It is a bold choice uh, that could have not worked. In my estimation, it did work. But yeah. your mileage may vary. But no, yeah. uh, it was Greg's idea, and I support him uh, 100%. I think it really was a good idea. And yeah, I, I believe you are absolutely correct. Because when I was reading this, and uh, for the first few pages, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And it, yeah, like you said, it, like, I was like, oh, very similar to Walking Dead kind of stuff, uh, the way they do that. But I, I felt exactly the way you said I, it made me feel uneasy. The story was this, had this, uh, like, like you you mentioned earlier that that you had this uh, this inner uh, playlist going on in your head. I kind of felt the same way. I was I was reading Rattler. I was like, well, yeah. I had this like this this dramatic slow music going on, like as if they're when they're walking through the town and stuff like that. And then you see the you know the scenes start to pick up, and you hear the music kind of go a little bit more dramatic, and and then you know when the action happens, you know it, it's at its peak, you know. So yeah. I I felt that in my head, and I don't know, maybe people are calling me crazy because I'm hearing voices or whatever, but no, this is <laughs> this was exactly what you said. I really enjoyed reading this one as well, and the art the artwork's amazing here as well. Completely different style from Nocturnal Commission. Yeah. Um, it's a completely different tone. It's completely different exactly. everything. Except yeah. it's still Greg and I, and it still has. Um, I think reading a comic book, you have to think about the experience of reading it mm-hmm. for people. Like where you place panels, where the eye is going to move. Like, yeah, we're trying to engineer an experience for you, not just you know draw something or put something out. Like, yeah. we spent a lot of time and care thinking about how someone's going to interact with this material. Mm-hmm. So with the Rattler, like that makes me so happy to hear that because we really worked hard to engineer like this roller coaster ride. It is, yeah, and to sort of give you this, you should hear music when you read it. You should yeah. feel something when you mm-hmm. read it. Um, like I said, we just don't make comic books because we hate trees. Like there has to be a reason, <laughs> and there has to be an experience there. Yeah, um, yeah. So Greg and I bring out the best in each other, and he has some some projects that have not been announced, but once they're done we really want to come back to this. And my goal now is to find a publisher for this. Cause I think mm-hmm. like he just had a child himself. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, during COVID. And so his scary, his life has changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if I could give him the structure of a publisher, that would probably make him more productive. It would make mm-hmm. us more productive. Yeah. But I'm happy to do it myself. And as we can do it ourselves. Um, yeah. But getting, getting more eyes on the book would help. Yeah, definitely. And, and and with with a team like you guys, I don't think that's going to be really difficult to get that many eyes on you guys cuz it's just it's your your work, you know, speaks for itself. And and you're right with with uh this tone, it is completely different. Uh if you would have if I would have just looked at Nocturnal Commission and the Rattler together side by side, I would have never known that it was the the two of you guys on the same book. But as I'm reading it, if there's 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 these subtle uh and yes it is a different type of feel but I, there's i can still feel that it's you and i don't know if that makes sense but but that's that's as well sometimes when you're trying to do di- different tones and stuff like that it's a little hard to do too you kind of lose yeah. yourself a little bit but i feel i was like oh wow this is this is the same kind of thing i'm getting here i'm getting the same person here it's not going to differ whatsoever and I, you know, and I, I think I think of horror and comedy as being like kissing cousins. 
Okay. <laughs> and I come from a big family. I don't want to brag, but uh, the imp- the impulse is the same. Okay. Like you, you want to be scared mm-hmm. and then you want to laugh as a relief. You don't want to be scared for too long or, or too little. Like there's a, there's a tempo and a cadence and a rhythm to horror and comedy, which is why comedians always do really, really well in horror movies. They understand mm-hmm. the pacing and the beat. Yeah. So probably years ago, like I mentioned finding your voice earlier in my career, I thought I'm going to be good at everything. I'm going to show my versa, versimilitude. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a uh, historical fiction. I'm going to do like a, a sci-fi book. I'm going to do a romance. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I'm like, you know what? I'm not good at all those things. <laughs> like, especially a romance. I don't have a romantic bone in my body, <laughs> but what I am good at, and it took me a long time to realize this. I'm good at like dark humor. I'm good at horror and I'm good at comedy. And if I can just bounce between those two, I can really mm-hmm. um, feel good about the work that I'm doing. Okay. And part of what led to that <clears throat> is sign language. Probably around 2008, 2009, I took a two-year program in being certified in sign language, American Sign Language. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, And honestly, I'm not great at sign language, but <laughs> I've been using it more, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, but they use inflection. So they mm-hmm. have... X amount of words and hand gestures, but how you use your body mm-hmm. and your eyes and the relation to yourself emphasizes different things, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, stuff in front of your body is the future, stuff behind your body is the past, mm-hmm. but your facial grammar is a lot of what sign language is. It's not just yeah. your hands, it's how you move your eyes and your face. Mm-hmm. So, to me, before I learned sign language, I was really wordy. All my books before then have way too much dialogue. And then sign language forced me to strip things down to the point, the absolute nucleus of what I'm trying to say, and then built up from there. Mm-hmm. So sign language totally changed how I, I view the written word. Wow. So now I see fewer words on the page and more facial grammar, more visual information. So I have a good friend who is deaf, and I'm about to launch a book called Ghost Band okay. on Kickstarter. It's going to be a graphic novel. And I told her, okay, oh, you know, uh, I'm launching this new book. She asked me what I'm doing. I'm launching a new book, and it has a deaf character. Oh, wow. And she was like, that's great, Jason, but your videos don't have captions, and deaf people can't understand your videos. And I was like, (laughs) oh, shit. You're right. Like, I I should know better. Like, I know, you know? Yeah. I studied sign language. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to perform the next video, and I'm going to translate it in real – I'm going to translate it as I talk. So I re-recorded my video and I wrote a script and she helped me uh, translate it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So yesterday I re-recorded my video uh, in American Sign Language. So when that video goes up next week, it'll be translated. Super cool, dude. I got to, you got to send me the link to that because my wife uh, dabbled in in, uh, ASL for a little while there too. She does, she's not really great at it. She can get by, she can, she knows the words more than, than she can like, you know, do it. And it's been so long t- since she's taken taken a course as well. Um, but but I'll tell you what, what did really me cool. in with sign language and why I didn't pursue a career in sign language is I am terrible at finger spelling. <laughs> no, I really am. Even and I sent you a link to Ghostman. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, so even in the hearing world, if you were to rattle off a phone number to me, right? Uh huh. I would I would need you to go slow and repeat it like ten times. Uh huh. If you were like to give me a password real quick, oh Jason, it's blah 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 blah. I'd be like, whoa 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 whoa, slow down. But <laughs> You can't do that in sign language. I'm the same way in sign language. So if someone fingerspells something to me, I uh-huh. would just be like, again, again. I, I would just drive them crazy slower, <laughs> again. 
Yeah. So I was not great at that point. I was good at the facial grammar and a lot of the other stuff I was okay at. But here's the thing about to be a translator, you have to be fully immersed mm-hmm. in that culture. It's not just like yeah. a job you show up to eight hours a day. Like exactly. you are yeah. um, really participating in that culture. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of a loner. I don't like joining communities. <laughs> I'm just not good at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even in comic books, like I would be much further along if I went to conventions and I was more social. I think it took yeah. me a long time to sort of grok that. Um, I had, uh, you know, the people I hung out with when I started in comics, they were all punks. Mm-hmm. They were all drunks. Like, I thought I was, <laughs> do you know who Johnny Thunders is? No, no, I don't. Wait, okay, maybe. So Johnny, Johnny Thunders was in maybe a band I... called Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Okay. No, they were a great no. punk band, but he did himself in many, many times over by just <laughs> being a fuck up drunk. Like, he would show oh, up to concerts put his hand in the crowd and be like, I'm not playing until I get an eight ball. And then he would like oh get a bunch gosh. of donations, leave the stage, come back 20 minutes later. Like he'd never been there. Oh my gosh. And I thought like, so early on in my career, he was my idol. I thought, you know, I'm going to be the Johnny thunders of comics. That's the dumbest fucking thing I ever thought in my life. And I've had some dumb thoughts. Uh, so there is the zombie character in Nocturnal Commissions is an ex-punk rocker. And we mm-hmm. sort of modeled him off of Johnny Thunders. So every time I awesome. see him, I think about all the years that I wasted yeah. um, not being present in my community or not participating positively mm-hmm. in my community. Yeah. And I wasn't a, uh, a negative person. I wasn't going around burning bridges. I just I have a hard time taking things seriously. If mm-hmm. you go to a convention, you have to sit behind a table and talk about yourself for days. Yeah. And that to me is torture. right writers um yeah we all feel like frauds like we all feel like this isn't real you know imposter syndrome is a really is a real thing yeah creatives especially with writers because in some ways we don't really do anything i sit at a keyboard (laughs) but i don't make things i'm not a sculptor i can't pick something up and hand it to you aside from a couple of books yeah Uh, and that's that's pretty uh (laughs) <laughs> that's funny because I, cause I feel the same way, man. I just sit in front of a camera or, and, and talk to you guys and sit in front of a mic and record stuff and, and ask yeah. questions. And, and I, and, and I, but I love this stuff. And I think that's, that's shows through your work. You love it. You, you this is, this is what you do, but I completely understand. You do feel that you're you, like, you're like, wow, I, I'm really doing something that is, that people are kind of aware of and things of that nature. It feels good, but, uh, but you do feel like a little bit of a fraud. I completely understand that a little bit. Um, so you mentioned punk rock, uh, you yeah. know, back oh, in the yeah. day. So, so, so I take it you're a punk rocker as well. Awesome. Hell so, yeah, dude. so me too, dude. I was, I was in back in high school. I was like this crustiest street punk uh, uh, that you knew, dude. Like, and it was in California, I where I lived, uh, small farming town. We were the only ones there. <laughs> like me, uh, me and yeah, one, me and like me and two other guys. And but like then we were like punk rockers. We didn't want to be around a lot of people either. So, so sometimes it would just be. Me sometimes if they weren't around, they would just be wandering around. I'd go sit by myself and listen to my punk rock music and all that stuff. Yeah, um, write lyrics in your notebook, <laughs> dude. Right, a lot like, of bad poems. A lot of bad poems. You're looking into my soul, man. <laughs> it's <laughs> dude, disgusting. I, I was no. Is, uh, I'm, that's not even a that. joke, man. It's <laughs> not even a joke. We did, I know. When we did nocturnal commissions, um, one of the stretch goals that we never got to was I want to do a CD booklet of the zombie <laughs> characters band okay. and like 
uh, what what one of his band's CD booklets looked like. Uh-huh. And Greg and I actually wrote all these lyrics and all these songs <laughs> that we'll, we'll eventually use. We'll put them in a book somewhere. Yes. Um, but we had all these like really obnoxious punk songs that we wrote for Alton Allen, the the zombie. <laughs> My favorite one is Bio Dad, and I'll tell you the lyrics. I want to be your bio dad. I'll be the last guy you never had. <laughs> oh <laughs> and I God. really hope that we get to put that in a book oh at gosh. some point. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on Long Island, which, uh, I mean, I had to, I hung out with skaters. Like the, those, yeah. were, those were the mm-hmm. outsiders uh, yeah. at the time or the golf kids or anybody on the outside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was a huge Ramones fan. I have a picture nice. back there of me and Joey. Nice. I, I think I saw them like 30 something times and it was not cool to like mm-hmm. the Ramones in like 90, the early nineties. Right. Yeah. Everyone was in the grunge and Pearl Jam. I'm like, that show yep. never last. Yeah. <laughs> I was the same <laughs> way, a, dude. I was bad in the nineties. That's, that's around the time that I was all punk rock too, dude. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and I was listening, but I was listening to some super, super crusty stuff, uh, like some super underground stuff like, uh, uh, Apple or like, uh, anti-schism. Uh, okay. you know, crass type of stuff sure, like the crass, crust, yeah, the crust, crusty, yeah, exploiting all that stuff. And uh, yeah, man, but but I completely, I had mohawks, I had chaos spikes, I had liberty spikes. I was like all over the place, dude. Uh, and and I even got a misfits tat. So I oh, mean, nice! I saw them uh, <laughs> at Madison Square Garden last October. Nice, nice. Yeah, they're yeah. T- my buddies and I took a bunch, and we were had, we were in the pit, and Danzig little little hand touched my hand. <laughs> And I have my phone. I'm like, I got all these great, I got all these great videos of the band. I was super up close. I was screwed out of my skin, man. I I didn't. I was taking videos of my own face. Oh wow, (laughs) that's funny, man. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, like, I think like when like kids like when's the next mosh pit ever gonna be like there's never gonna be another yeah yeah like i'm yeah. so glad i saw the misfits last year because that was like the last big show i went to and yeah. i don't know that that will ever happen again. i heard yeah i heard that danzig uh they were touring with that danzig for a little while yeah. there uh because well, after because a while COVID. yeah like i just think like yeah that experience is gone but that was the craziest thing when I heard. I was like, I was like, what Danzig? They're touring with Danzig right now. That's pretty yeah. freaking. I would have never thought that that would have happened, man. Because <laughs> Danzig. Yeah. Guess Dan- what? Here's a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Because yeah, a while, who was it? Was Jerry Only? He was. He was singing. I don't know oh, if you terrible. heard that. Awful. Did you hear that album? I was like, oh man. There's like oh, two or three I albums was- that he did with them. I'm like, oh man. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, he's not the singer. <laughs> yeah, but, you just, know, he, he's really just there to sell T-shirts. That's what he did for yeah. 20 years. It's like they're just there to sell T-shirts. I like what he did uh, because, it, it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, like, The Damned, like, type sure. stuff. Like, it really reminded me damned. of that. The dumb, Damned are cool, dude. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, But that's what this it kind of reminded me song. of. Yeah, right. This is not a love song one on every mix I made in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is, man. Yeah. We could, dude. You know, we're running pretty long here. We could talk about punk rock all day long, dude. But uh, okay, dude. let's uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, let's save our 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 listeners from that uh, disaster there. <laughs> and uh, let tell everybody a little bit about where they can find you, uh, any upcoming work, social media, all that good stuff. Okay, so you can find Nocturnal Commissions. There's an Indiegogo where you can order Nocturnal Commissions. I have copies on hand, and I'm happy to ship them out. Awesome. It's also on Comixology. If you just want the digital experience, you can read it right now. Uh, my next book, Ghost Band, is going to be a sort of – it's my 90s art house film yeah. graphic novel about the end of the world and these four people that have to start a band on the last day on Earth. And that's, that's going to go on Kickstarter next week. Since the last week we recorded this episode – 
Ghost Band has been fully funded and ended on Kickstarter. I'm sorry for the late release, but keep an eye out very soon for more things coming from Jason McNamara. Uh, I'm working with a very, very talented illustrator named Anka Gladnick. Awesome. Uh, they've done work for NPR, Washington Post. They're just a phenomenal sort of like Bill Sankevich type illustrator. I really cool. think they're going to have a tremendous career. Awesome. Uh, and this is going to be a, a good time to get in and get a book from them. Mm-hmm. And you can find me at jason-mcnamara.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jason McNamara. And you can also find me in my basement playing Red Dead Redemption 2 till about 4 or 5 in the morning every night. <laughs> awesome, man. That's really cool. Uh, so come on over. Yes. I got a fat dog. Uh, I make really good nachos and a real stiff Manhattan. It'll, just, it'll really take the enamel right off. <laughs> man, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, dude, I... Uh, I'm I wish sorry. I was kidding. I'm sorry we didn't uh, we didn't talk about about your your upcoming book because I, I read Rattler and I read Nocturnal Commission and I was just like blown away by those two books and uh, and I do you did send me uh, the other one too but uh, I did not get into that one a lot. I guess you I guess but, you're just a guy who loves his family and just can't spend his entire day reading oh, Jason McNamara. You books. know what? Just you know what? You know what? You made your choice, Joey. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, yeah, well, that's the... You love your family more than a stranger. (laughs) Shame on you. Oh, shame on me. Shame on me I set an alarm to be on this show, Joey. I set an alarm. Oh, man. Yeah, you were talking to me about that. You were like, like, I guess I'll just set my alarm so that I can get up and not get up at noon. (laughs) Yeah, I did it for you. I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sleep in, bro. (laughs) Oh, no, I'll join the human race today. I teach later. I might as well get up early. (laughs) There you go. Be present for the kids. There you go, man. All right, dude. Awesome. Hey, it, it was, was delight talking to you. It man. was freaking fun. Man. Heck yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I think we will continue a friendship. It, this is really really cool. Awesome. Give my best to Arizona. I will. I will tell them that you don't ever want to come here. And I'm not coming back. Yeah, don't don't. I was there for a year <laughs> in 2000, and I that was enough. The Taco Bell in Prescott Valley, in Prescott. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you. Uh, I spit in so much food, I was dehydrated. Don't say that. If you did oh a gosh. DNA test on that town, I'm in everybody. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to remind my family never to eat in Prescott Valley again. Well, be, be nice to people at drive through That's the thing. People come to the drive through and they treat you horribly when you're alone with their food. Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't, like, insult your doctor before he puts you unconscious, right? You'd wake up with your pants around your ankles. Oh, my gosh. All right, man. I'm a terrible doctor, by the way. I'm very sure. It sounds like it. Yeah, I don't work in food service anymore because I hold a grudge. I think I'm glad that you're making comic books then. Yeah. Yeah, be nice to your be nice to your food servers. Be real nice. Right, there you go. That's a, that's a good PSA. Be nice One to, to grow your food on. Yep, there you go. All right, man. Have a good one. We we appreciate uh, you coming on. And you know what, guys? That is a good one to leave on. You know, be nice to your food service and just be nice in general, right? Be 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 amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't be a sap, but be cool. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys later. Thanks again for listening to the House of Indy. My name is Joey Galvez, and I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.